Hi, everyone, and welcome to today's TSMU Q&A. I hope everyone is having a wonderful Tuesday, and I'm your host, Kai, and I am the Partnership Solutions here at TSM. Uh, today, we are joined by my colleague and extremely special guest, TSM's very own Senior Director, Andrew White. For this Q&A, we'll be pulling questions from our TSMU Discord. So if you have any questions for Andrew, head over to discord.gg slash TSMU and ask your questions in the Ask Stream Questions Here channel. Once you've asked your questions, join the Waiting Room Voice channel to be, to be waited um, to, well, cannot English today, to wait to be selected to join us on the show. Now, while people are getting their questions in, Andrew, why don't you get us a little rundown about yourself and what you do in your role? Hey, what's up? Uh, I'm Andrew White. I'm a director on the TSM content team, which I've been doing for uh, quite a while now. I joined TSM in October of 2015. Uh, so I think I've just passed the six-year mark, which is kind of an eternity in esports. Um, a little bit of background on what I've been doing all, uh, over all of that. Uh, uh, over that time, I've been spent a bulk of my time working with uh, our League of Legends team, specifically on our flagship show for that team, TSM Legends, um, which I have also directed for the past few years. Along with that, uh, over the course of the years, especially whenever I first joined um, and content team was a little bit smaller, I've worked with a lot of different esports, a lot of different esports pros, be it individuals, teams, uh, Smash, be it in Smash Melee, uh, Ultimate, Valorant, PUBG, Call of Duty, CS, uh, pretty much Vainglory, pretty much every every team that's gone through TSM, um, I've worked with and done content with in some capacity. Now, it seems like there's a lot of background and experience in your uh, resume and back end. I, I want to get to know a little bit more of your background. What, what What's your background like? Where did it come from in terms of you know, the starting points of your career. Okay, so I actually, uh, before esports, I worked in traditional sports. So I went to college back in Texas, uh, where I'm from. Um, went to Texas Tech University, graduated there with a degree in electronic media communications. Might as well talk college because we're on TSMU. Um, and right out of college, I was working for the San Antonio Spurs, doing something similar to what I do now, but obviously much smaller scale. You know, you're uh partnered features uh for web content locker room video stuff like that um was working there for a while out of college and then uh got an offer from tsm uh back when i applied in it would have been mid 2015. uh so that was how i, how I made made the leap just uh just to open application i wasn't working in esports at the time i just made a few uh melee combo videos and hype videos and stuff like that, because that's what got me into esports was that scene. Uh, I used to compete there. And yeah. Now, that's actually awesome that you bring up the Spurs and having your background more in the stick and ball sports side. I guess for me to learn more about, you know, working with talent, working with, you know, people on that end, would you see any differences between maybe a sports player versus someone at the TSMU or TSM roster side? Yeah, it's, there's definitely a a difference in scale uh, for obvious reasons. Um, I, I was very privileged at the, at the Spurs in the short time I was there to get to interact personally with a few players, a few coaches um, who are 
all really great. Um, but definitely the level of interaction and, and the kind of relationships you can build uh, with the players is very different esports side. Um, I mean, I've worked with uh, some players at TSM for again the the entirety of it about six years i've known them some of them are my my closest friends and that also allows us to create a little bit more meaningful content it's a little bit less you know surface level um so it's really great in that regard um and also player time is a little bit less restrictive it's still pretty restrictive our players have very very busy schedules especially whenever they're in season uh, but compared to the opportunities we we would get in the traditional sports industry um back in the nba it's 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 a little bit nicer <laughs> Um, I, I guess, you know, moving towards your esports career, I know you said that you immediately applied over to the TSM side and got your career starting from there. Um, what made you just kind of think, look, I'm working at, you know, I'm working at the Spurs and I want to move over to gaming. I want to move over to the esports side. So it wasn't actually because this was again, this was back in 2015 when e the esports industry was much, much, much smaller than it was now. So it actually wasn't like readily apparent to me at the time that, oh, esports is a thing I can do. Um, it was actually very fortuitous the, the, the way it played out. Um, uh, it's not much of an interesting story, but I, again, was a Melee fan and I was a competitor in that. So I was a Leffen fan back then he got signed to tsm i think it was in july of 2015 and i was like oh what is this i'm gonna watch this announcement video what is this oh my goodness this is the best piece of content i've seen in esports at the time and i was suddenly amazed that like oh this exists there are people who do this and of course that was uh someone who i would go on to work with that was max olivo's work um and so that got me very excited and interested in it. And then it made me want to go watch other content. So I went to the TSM YouTube channel and then I'm going through watching all these League of Legends videos, which is a game I knew nothing about. And then all of a sudden I'm so invested in the team and uh, that, <laughs> that kind of got, got me hooked. And then so from there, I was kind of had my eye on it, but I was just making my own like melee combo videos and stuff like that. Didn't really consider it a pursuit. And then one day, uh, Leffen retweeted a a tweet from the main TSM account saying, hey, we're looking for videographers. Um, and so if Levin didn't retweet that because I didn't follow TSM at the time, I wouldn't have had the last six years of my life. So. <laughs> yeah, I think this is just in. Shouts out to Levin. Um, without you, we wouldn't have Andrew <laughs> on our team. So thank you there. Um, moving over to giving advice to people who are interested in esports or even video directing and the production side, what advice would you give to someone who's looking to get into that end, whether it's editing, directing, anything on the production side? Whenever it comes to esports content, um, I mean, it's kind of a, a trite call to action, but it would just be just get involved, just make something um, because that's what's going to get you started even if it's not in your desired wheelhouse that you eventually want to end up in if maybe you're a creator and you think oh i want to be an esports editor um but you're not super interested in doing like videography or photography or something like that i think it's still really valuable to branch out and get that experience and get that footage for your editing in this hypothetical situation uh because those disciplines are valuable and what you learn from one will teach you more about the other um and it's, again, the most important thing is just getting involved. Just make content. Find, find something that you like in esports that you want to see 
and then make it. And maybe you're a little bit lacking on production quality or what you're able to achieve, but I think the most important thing is just getting reps. The more things you make, the better you're gonna get. So it's it either finds a space in the community and it is something that is well received and can actually get a little bit of traction, or it's something that just helps you develop. So I would just say, just make stuff. I know, I know that's not the mo most helpful, but just don't think about making stuff, just start doing it. Yeah, and I think in a lot, in the professional sense, within all industries, I think it is somewhat difficult to get your name out there. What advice can you give to someone who is trying to break in the scene, who needs that rep, who needs to, you know, connect with all these other people within the space to get noticed for their work? I, I don't want to follow up with exactly the, the, the same <laughs> response. Uh, so, so I'll argue it. But, but it does kind of come down to, down to that. If you're making things, that will get you noticed. Um, as you continue to work on projects and add things to your reel, add things to your portfolio, uh, put content out there, and maybe you can find a way to get some traction in, in a community, that'll start to garner attention. Uh, because content creators and also just fans alike are always looking for good content. I actually think there's a pretty big drought of good esports related content. Um, and it just takes a little bit of thinking outside of the box to find something that someone hasn't done yet that hasn't been, uh, you know, completely explored as, as a subject matter. Um, so yeah, yeah, it's, it's kind of the same thing. I'm repeating myself here. Um, but if you just start to make things, it, you will get that attention. If you're adding things to your portfolio, that that's what matters. Um, especially whenever we've looked at applications for creatives it's you know we want to see what you can do yeah and, yeah and you know that's a really good point that you brought up i, I noticed you said something about the drought and good esports content can you elaborate a little bit more on that end i'm not sure how much more i can elaborate on it especially because you know we're making esports content so uh hopefully ours isn't doesn't fall too much into that drought um it's just one of those things where um at least in league uh it's been around a while for an esport. So a lot of the, the typical narrative structures and stories we've, we've seen, um, especially when it comes to documentary content or uh, more playful challenge videos, um, a lot of it has, is already tread ground. That doesn't mean that there aren't ways to do that in a very, in a newer, interesting way. But you have to, you have to, you have to get a little bit creative uh, with your approach. Otherwise, you know, what reason are you giving someone to watch your content over someone else? Because there's enough teams in the space that are making, you know, high enough production quality content for it to be viewable. No great points there. Um, going back to skills and, you know, people who are trying to break in within the scenes, are there any skills that, that could be worked on while looking for a job, whether it's networking? I know you said or mentioned, you know, creating content, making your content out there for people to see and, and enjoy and, you know, build up that rep. Is there anything outside of that that would increase someone's chances of being hired? Let me think about that because you did you did acknowledge it there, you know, finding ways to put it out there. I guess I guess I'll elaborate a little bit more on that, because obviously making things is going to be your number one thing. But then also looking into the environment that you're putting this content out in and figuring out if it is the most optimal for the space. Where do you want to place it? What kind of content, uh, what, what platform are you going? Is this YouTube? Is this social media? Is it TikTok? Um, and then doing a little bit of market research and understanding 
what is working on there. And, and market research is not a complicated thing. It, it could literally just be going on TikTok and, okay, what's, what's succeeding? What am I seeing on here? What is good here? If I'm going on Reddit, what is succeeding? What is interesting? What are people talking about? And just paying attention to those things. And then that can inform the product that you then make. Yeah, I agree. I think it's really important that we look at the ecosystem that we're currently in, like what is what the, the audience really resonating with at the moment? What are what is everyone enjoying at the moment versus I'm going to make this because I think it's cool. Um, I think we have to also be mindful of the audience. Um, talking about the audience, talking about the process of creating content. I want to know the process from start to finish that goes into making TSM Legends. I, I hope you're ready for, for a long one. I'm going to meander a bit, so, so apologies. Um, yeah, TSM Legends, that's, that's obviously the, the big project. That's what I've spent a majority of uh, the last six years of my life uh, being involved in and spending time on. Um, we operate with a, actually a pretty small crew. We have for a long time, um, obviously back in 2016, 2017, which would have been season, uh, season two and three of TSM Legends. Um, we were operating just myself and uh, Max, uh, Max Olivo. It was a, you know, very, very bare bones. And even then Max was solo sometimes while I'm off filming a Smash video or a PUBG video. So uh, we've always operated with really small crews. Even now we actually only have uh, on any given episode, usually about three full-time people uh, fully immersed in it. Uh, I work with Cesar Salazar and Callan Callahan, who are incredibly uh invaluable to me <laughs> and have been been a huge part of that process um so we'll get into the actual production uh obviously with every episode you're going to have your your pre-production your planning uh you're going to be thinking about themes what's pertinent to the team right now what do we expect to uh, occur over the next week what are the likely storylines going into uh, that week's lcs games um uh, what player, how are players feeling right now and trying to gauge that and understand their mental state, uh, how they may perform, how they view their own performance, um, how they feel about the upcoming games and trying to get a read on that so that we can best portray what actually happens. Because there's a lot of anticipatory produ production going on there. We don't know what's going to happen this weekend and then we've just got to do the best we can to plan out every, you know, possible avenue that things can happen um, in terms of team successes and, and failures and uh, just have as thorough a plan as you can because once you get into post-production uh, you have to find a way to make all of that work. Uh, it's not like filming a, a typical production uh, because we don't know what's going to be happening next. Um, so yeah, we're usually in pre-production there. We're filming throughout the week. Uh, just a lot of scrims, a lot of conversations, because the reality of filming a Pro League of Legends team as they practice and live their lives is 99% of that stuff cannot go public. Uh, you know, we're very fortunate to have the access we do and be able to provide this behind the scenes look into what's going on with the team. Uh, but we have to cut around a lot because a lot of strats or personal information or things that just can't go into the cut um so a lot of filming uh, a lot of set pieces uh usually with a three camera setup is how we shoot most of our meetings and uh get our lead up information 
going into the LCS weekend. LCS weekend rolls around. We go to LCS and film and just, you know, follow the players around. And then after that, we are ingesting footage that's going throughout the week. It's going to uh, assistant editor Callan, uh, who I mentioned earlier. Um, and he's sorting that out, doing pre-edits, and I'm meeting with him throughout the week, and he's telling me, okay, here we have this meeting, uh, and th this, these parts were good. I think this is pertinent to what's going on with the team right now. So that kind of helps pre-sort and condense things. And then once we have all of the LCS footage in, uh, I actually still lead edit on the show. So I go into it uh, the following week and just grind out the edit, in-game cinematics, uh, motion graphics, whatever we need for the piece, and it goes to publication on Friday. And in the meantime, usually Caesar, who I also want to acknowledge again, is doing a, a lot of the heavy lifting on the filming. Um, don't know how interesting it is for me to just list out the the, the day by day there, but uh, one of the 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 I guess more interesting aspects of it that I think a lot of people don't think about unless they have worked on a show like this is because it is a weekly show, you are always in two concurrent productions at all times. So while you are editing last week's episode, you are in pre-production, you're planning, you're shooting for next week's episode. And so you have to constantly be thinking about two separate storylines as well as making those two storylines function together. So it's a little bit chaotic uh, and we work again with a very small crew, but there's also benefits to that because I think... Uh, Sometimes that, that little bit of heart that you get whenever someone's a small crew, they all have their hands on it. They're all really determined to make this thing good and special. Um, I think that kind of shows. So, yeah, I, I, sorry for meandering a lot there. It's just hard to articulate that entire process. And I'm not sure how detailed to be with the, the, the technical aspects of production there. No, I think that's really interesting because a lot of people just don't think what happens behind the scenes, right? It, I think for some people, even for myself, before I worked closely with you, you know, when it comes to partners and uh, legends is that, oh, they just film and then cut and shoot and then that's it, right? There isn't a process where you're building a story. You're making sure that, you know, it, it is actually a lot more detailed oriented versus a cut and dry, like we shoot, we go into post, we release, that's it. Life is so easy. Um, so shouts out to yourself and, you know, the content team, Caesar, Callan, everyone there. You guys have made amazing content with a small team and a limited amount of time. And I think that's another question I want to segue into is burnout. Um, Kite actually has a question for you. Have you ever experienced burnout with those grinds? And have, do you have any tips to get through that type of stuff? Absolutely, I have. I think uh, pretty pretty much everyone, it's, it's a common thing in production, not just in esports, but just in the entertainment production industry across wherever it may be. Obviously, it's pretty prevalent out here in LA. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty common, um, especially when things were a little bit less structured and we were working with an even smaller crew where it was just, you know, one or two people on an episode at a time. Um, and so it, so it is, it is, it can be difficult. You can burn out. I definitely have at times. Um, but it's also given me skills to kind of cope with that. And I would say the most significant, uh, what I found works the best is just routines. I think a lot of creatives, myself included, tend to kind of hate routines. It's like, oh, you know, I'm, I, I'm going to, I'm going to do whatever I want. I'm going to stay, you know, I'm going to wait till I'm creatively inspired. I don't want to, I don't want to be bound by routines, but uh, I think routines are actually pretty great, especially whenever you're working on, on a piece that's regimented and it's consistent. 
uh, because if you have good routines, be it in your personal life or work life, uh, actual production routines, then you have a lot less time spent thinking about those things. You know when you're going to wake up, you know where you're going to dedicate your time, and you don't have to spend that time processing it. And it allows you to focus more on the stuff you have to get done. Uh, that would be my, my number one thing is, is routines. And then also finding ways to refine those. And then uh, you, you, there's, there's no limit to how deep you can go. I, like, I, I'm big into whenever I know I'm going to have a killer edit, I'm not going to be eating pizza for dinner if I know I'm going to be editing all night because I'm going to fall asleep at my desk. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to eat a little bit healthier. I've been very fortunate to be around the league team, see how they conduct themselves. And it's like, oh, wait, yeah, that kind of helps performance. And it really does. So um, it's kind of a small aspect of that. But uh, yeah, just optimizing every activity you have to do. Yeah. And talking about routines, I know, you know, last year was definitely a little difficult year for not only us at partnerships, but the whole entire team, you know, with COVID and in-person shooting, everything just kind of was knocked up a little bit in terms of that routine. How did that affect your side in terms of your, you know, daily, I go into the office, I prefer X, Y, Z. Now it's like, we're all working from home. Um, would love to get your thoughts there. The, the bubble episodes of TSM Legends, that was... In interesting. I, I'd be curious to talk to other content creators in the space and see, see how they feel about it in, in retrospect now that things are a little bit loosened up. Um, because in order to, to continue production with Legends specifically, um, we, we did publicize that the League team was in a bubble system where everyone was required to only be at home or at the facility, and that's it. And so that meant myself and Caesar also had to follow suit. So I was only right here and at the facility which in some respects was great because I got to go in and see people every day that I like working with, which some people weren't able to. Uh, but of course, it was really creatively challenging because you are shooting in the same environment every single day. And then you have to try to find ways to get creative um, thematically um, so that we aren't just watching meetings over and over again in the same rooms. So, okay, maybe we'll do a little bit of a retrospective or we'll explore this particular player's story. Um, but then also the, the, the technical part of it where it's like, okay, how do we shoot this room for the ninth week in a row um, that fans are just not going to be excited about looking at uh, and, fi and finding different lensing options or, you know, just trying to find ways to keep it fresh. That was definitely a big challenge for us. And yeah, I have, I have no idea how those episodes are perceived. It was a very strange time to be uh, doing the show. I'll have to go back and look at them someday. Yeah, I mean, I personally enjoy them. I really like them. So well done on your guys then. <laughs> um, but, you know, talking about, you know, you were talking about lenses and, you know, different methods of, you know, filming and production, all that sorts. I think some people might want to know, like, what sort of tools did you use for editing in general? Like, are there any recommended tools or tips that you might have? Editing specifically? Can you start yeah. there? Um, editing, it's not, not a particularly long answer. Um, Premiere. Uh, we're pretty much entirely within the Adobe Creative Suite, so uh, pretty much all of my editing is done with Premiere and After Effects for some select sequences. Um, only other thing that I would consider like a part of that uh, editing process would be uh, in-game cinematics, uh, which I do uh, through League Director, and then obviously integrate those through uh, Premiere. 
Yeah, and you know, working with so many players, you know, with LCS, you've worked with Smash. Um, who is your favorite player to work with? My favorite player to work with. Okay, this is I'm going to have to probably give a couple answers. I'm also going to have to think for a minute. Um Ming is uh, speak is a pleasure to work with. I really like working with him. He's he's been it's been great to watch him him grow over the past couple years because I met him whenever he was I think he maybe just turned eighteen whenever he moved here to to play with uh, our academy team. Um, he's great, great energy. Also has a really good eye for content. He understands what we're doing there. He understands why I'm in the room and he's not he's not going to complain about it. Well, actually, he's going to complain about it frequently but it's it it's in good fun um he's been great to work with uh another league league pro that has been great i think would surprise no one is broken blade also really understood content really high energy brought up the mood both of the team just any room he's in he brings the mood up um and so of course it was just fun to to be there uh for those moments and be able to capture them uh just a ton of personality um I'll try to think because I've worked with a lot of teams. I'll try to think of some some less familiar or non-league related, and and also if I only mention a couple, I'm, it's not because I don't like the other people, um, except Soren. Soren's the worst. Um, Ouch. <laughs> <laughs> um, I actually worked quite a bit back in 2016 and 2017 with the TSM Vainglory team. Um, which was one of our smaller teams, but it was a smaller game, which also made it a, a ton of fun to to work on uh, because the scene didn't really have a whole lot of content. It's a, it was a 3v3 mobile MOBA, and we had uh, one of the most dominant teams that there was in that game. Um, loved all of those guys. It was, it was so fun working with them. Uh, Von C uh, was uh, just uh, another one of those those players who's just an absolute blast to to work with. Just a ton of fun. Uh, doesn't mind riffing with the camera. Uh, great personality. Um, yeah, I'll try. I'll try to think of more. Maybe maybe we can revisit later. But I'll need a minute. <laughs> yeah, I mean TSM. We have we have quite a few talent out there. So wouldn't blame me if you got you need a little more time to think about that. But that being said, I'm sure you've encountered so many stories um, and so many fun. Uh, encounters with talent in general right i know you mentioned some of the players are your friends i guess some people might want to know are there any funny stories you can share from your job there, mm -hmm. there's a lot of funny stories i don't know how many i can tell on stream um <laughs> uh, Let, let's keep it tame <laughs> yeah yeah I, I should have prepared prepared some stories. We can revisit the question. I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm I'm no fun there. <laughs> I I know there's a couple of stories you might want to share, so I'll give you some time to think about that, and we can transition over to a question from Leanne. Um, Leanne asks, "Are there any key components you always try to include or prioritize when you're coming up with videos?" Okay, actually, I like that question. Um, one of the one of the th there's a couple of things. One of the, one of the first things that came to mind is just kind of purpose. 
is ensuring that the video actually has some amount of substance or like reason to be watched and not be something that just exists to exist just to say oh we've got this league or this content piece about something um i generally prefer content that i feel like is somewhat enriching i don't think <laughs> i don't know if, if 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 what i what i make can can qualify as that but um you know that's one of the things that is so attractive to me about legends and why i like working on the show um is that i have a tremendous amount of respect for the pros that i work with uh, i've learned a lot myself just from watching them and their work ethic and then i i feel like their their story and their experience is valuable and something that's really important to me through legends or any other docu content we do is trying to convey that you know it's it's i like and respect these people i think that they have value and i hope i, I want to try to convey that to fans yeah and i think it's really important at the end of the day too is that you know even when i was starting in esports is that we didn't really have the behind the scenes or a story behind a player it was just like this player is dominant with this within the scene and that's it. And nothing was really highlighted there. So I think, you know, for me, just even a fan of esports while working in esports, I have a firm appreciation for people who could create that story, who could, you know, be, you know, that painting canvas for that player. So just wanted to give you a shout out here. I know I'm gassing you up a little too much. So we'll transition over to Riley the Bia Bea. I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing your name, but uh, Riley is asking, what was the production timeline for the League Summer Playoffs episode? I think it came out a little later than usual. Not that I'm complaining, just curious. Okay, let me think about the League Summer one. It's been a minute. When you, when you make a lot of episodes, I think I'm... I, it, man, I must be, must be in the 80s now. It's hard to remember specific productions. Oh my gosh, please. Uh, Let's see, the League Summer one. Uh, the production timeline, I, it still follows the same kind of pre-production pattern because we had, you know, you have the match previous. Um, so pre-production is, is largely the same, though it's a little bit more extensive because we have to think about, oh, if our season ends, how do we handle this? Uh, because there's no more capturing those moments after that. You, you have to work with what you've got. So... Uh, really planning ahead and, and, and ensuring you have enough footage to tell that story one way or the other. Um, the post-production timeline is, is one that gets a little bit longer, that it's actually something we, we have our rare luxury, because usually we're spending about three days in post for, uh, for an episode. Uh, so we a little bit of a rare luxury um, there. It, it also gets extended in terms of the release time, because right after the team loses, their season's over. Uh, we're not going to say, hey, guys, come interview with us right now. Uh, you know, that's not going to give us, it's not really fair to the players. We don't want to be that intrusive. And it's also probably not going to give us the best results because everyone's going to, you know, be too depressed to answer um, in, in, in a meaningful fashion. So we, we, we usually only have about a day break between last game of LCS and interviews. So if last game is on Sunday. We usually interview Tuesday mornings. Um, so there was a few extra days built in. There was also some, some content blocks built in that the players had to do. So, uh, that kind of extends release time in that instance, but it also gives us a chance to, uh, better sort and organize our approach, uh, once we have all of that footage. Um, so I can't speak to the, the specifics on it, but there's just more opportunity 
for us to inject a little bit more effort, a little bit more production quality in terms of the edit, do something more creative with the uh, in-game cinematics specifically, because that's always a big uh, time crunch uh, for us. And instead of doing just standard top-down, we were able to do a little bit more with that, a little bit more interaction with music and how that functions in the gameplay segments. Um, so that essentially it's, we don't have to put it out the, the next week right away before the next game comes and the news cycle resets. So uh, of course we want to get it out still very quickly, but uh, there's a few things that extend that production timeline. I know you mentioned, you know, working with players, you know, maximizing their time and finding the right time to interview players. I know also at the same time, you've worked with so many players, you know, with TSM bringing on many players within the roster, you've worked with experienced, non-experienced players. With those non-experienced players, how do you essentially help direct players to answer the right questions or, you know, give you additional insight? Because we all know players at the end of the day are gamers first and not actors. Yes. <laughs> the players are, are are not not actors most of the time. Um, it's there's a, there's a couple of different parts. There's different baselines for everyone. I, I I see Ming is in the chat. He he can fill in. Um, you know, players tend to tend to grow and learn more, and you have to to adjust your interview approach accordingly. If someone's not comfortable on on camera, you may want to segment your questions a little bit more so they're they're shorter. Um, you, you take your same thoughts that you want to get, um, it, whenever you're drafting your interview questions is, oh, I want the player to talk about this aspect of the team right now. Um, and with a less experienced interviewer, someone who's maybe uncomfortable speaking on camera, uh, who responds in, in shorter, uh, sentences, just really break it down to individual thoughts and don't be afraid to like go back and revisit. Uh, that's always been my approach to our more junior guys. And us usually people get comfortable pretty fast. Because uh, I, I mentioned Ming because I remember his first uh, his first interview I did with him back in twenty whatever year that was that he came in uh, week nine. You know I can recall his his first one uh, compared to now he's he's much more eloquent in his responses, much more detailed. Um, yeah, so that's that's how that works in terms of experience. Um, I think there was another part to that question. I, I think. That is mainly the question itself. It's just trying to help direct players going to going into the direction you want to when you've created the storyline for like a specific piece, right? Being able to help them get to point A to B and speak eloquently now, like you know Ming. Um, so I think that that was essentially the question itself. Yeah, I think I can actually elaborate a little bit, a little bit more because I was kind of focusing specifically on 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 you know inexperience because that's only one aspect of it. Um, but it, it just comes down to planning and also understanding how your talent is going to respond. So it's, it's the same thing regardless of experience. Uh, you know, I try to develop actual like meaningful relationships and conversations with the players, obviously not just for that, but when you understand your subject, when you understand how they feel about what's going on, um, you're going to understand if I ask this question, they're going to say this. Um, so I actually think relationship building and then also just really paying attention to that so if you have an interview and you don't get what you want you don't get the right response ah i you know i was looking for this he kind of misunderstood um just evaluate after the fact and figure out okay how would i phrase that and then make a note of that 
um, and then take that into your, your next interview with that subject if you have the opportunity to, to do so. Yeah, I think that's really great to just basically dissect, you know, what has happened versus like telling a player, you know, you're, I need you to say X, Y, Z, where it doesn't feel as natural or genuine, which I think is really important for us to avoid within content. Um, moving over, we have additional questions. I believe uh, we can go back to the routine side. Um, Kite asked as well earlier on, uh, do you rely on any apps or systems to maintain, you know, a routine? You know, examples would be like Google Calendar, Bullet, Journaling, all that stuff. Uh, yeah, actually, I use an app called TickTick, uh, which is basically just a checklisting app. You can use it to sync with your calendar, but for me, checklists are really important. And I just maintain it for all of my routines, personal routines, professional routines. So I've got lists for specific projects, uh, general work things, just things I have to do personally on a given day and just it helps me organize all my thoughts. Checking something off feels good. That's kind of another benefit of routines is you get that sort of dopamine rush of, oh, I, I did something today. And be, it, it wasn't very hard because you're just used to it. And so you start the day accomplishing something and that's going to push you to accomplish things. Uh, more and more. So for me, I, I don't do too much. It's just, pretty much just checklisting has been really, really helpful for me. Um, and moreover, ZK asked, do you think mobile games are going to have a good esports future? Uh, yeah, I actually do. I don't know how it's going to go over in NA because NA really seems to just hate mobile esports. Um, but I think I have a, a little bit of a different perspective than most people, after I got to work with the Vainglory guys, I got to see their work ethic. I got to see their mechanical skill in that game. And obviously, it's a very odd platform, and it was new to me. But, uh, you know, I garnered a lot of respect for that. And those communities are blowing up in uh, parts of the world. It's very big in Southeast Asia. It's very big in Brazil. I think there's uh, communities for it in India as well. So I think there's absolutely an, an, an esports future. There is a barrier to it in uh in north america but i think eventually that saturation will start to will start to push over i, I think that i think there's value in it. i think it's exciting yeah and you know shouts out we'll see where mobile esports comes in within the next few years um i believe spooky carlos um asked uh, i know we talked about you know players that are camera shy um is there anything else that you could do in terms of helping them uh, get out of that outside of the relationship building, outside of um, guiding them, you know, prior to the interview itself? Yeah, yeah. If, I guess we did already talk about the relationship building. So that's a big part of it, but I'll skip over that. The other, other things that come to mind are helping players understand why we do content and how it can be beneficial to them, you know. Not all of them are going to be pro players forever, and it's good to brand build. Uh, you know, players are, are, when they understand why it exists and how it can benefit them, there's, there's often a buy-in. And even that being said, you know, you work closely, again, with us at the partnership side. There is content that is pretty hard to execute on on a more natural and genuine way with partners right how do you prepare them for that just knowing that you know some of the stuff might be scripted some of the stuff might be you know out of what their general scope of scope is in terms of content production 
yeah again players are, are not actors usually whenever it comes to the scripted things there's there's a little bit more complaining coming through from the players but uh i think it's usually just about uh sitting down with them and uh explaining the concept and how they fit into it uh what's f what is funny about it um and and just kind of joking with them a, a little bit about it because players are going to complain about a lot of things and you just have to let them know it's like okay i know this is not what you want to do but let's try to make it a little bit fun if it's a little bit cheesy you know lean into it run with that energy and we'll we'll knock this out yeah, give them that small pep talk before we go into production. Um, ZK also has another question for you. How hard is it to work with a pro org from 1 to 10? 10 being really hard. Um, I mean, I can't, I think, give a holistic answer because I've only worked with one pro org. Uh, so, so, so I can't rate it, rate it too, too well. Um, I would also kind of subdivide it. There's a lot of things that are really great and, and easy. And I've been very fortunate to have had a lot of trust and creative freedom from people over the years. Um, which is which is great. There's 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 been a lot less bureaucracy than whenever I was working in say the sports industry where you know it didn't matter what I said. Um, whereas you know at TSM I've I've been very lucky to have a voice. So that that is something that does not make it hard. Um, what does make it hard is obviously just the the hours and commitment. We we are a smaller industry. We have smaller production, um, and that winds up requiring a lot of effort. Um, so it's it, it, it kind of meets somewhere in the middle of those two things. Yeah, and you know, talking about projects and episodes that you've worked on in terms of especially legends, are there any particular one legends episodes that you would consider your favorite or your best work? Let me tell you, uh, and maybe creatives can relate, uh, whenever you only have three days in post on almost every single episode, it uh, makes it not fun to, fun to choose because you just see all the things that you wish you could have done. Um, but there, there are a few that, that do stand out. The 20, is that 2019 finals episode, uh, TSM versus TL, where, I mean, we lost. But I, 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 I enjoyed the production. Um, it was the, the, the only one that I've... Uh, oh, I think I lost my video somehow. Yes, you've been frozen, but I can hear you still. Well? I think we're having some production. We're having a little bit of technical difficulties. Apologies. Yes. Well, I guess I'm gonna, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm very focused right now. Um, not sure what happened there. I'm just gonna go ahead and respond to the question. Um, so I was talking about the TSM versus TL uh, reverse wave episode. Obviously very, very sad episode, but it was, all, it was also the, the first episode that I had fully directed um, for a finals episode. And it was great to be in that environment, being in the center of the uh, fans. Uh, oh, are we... Uh, being in the center of the fans, it just kind of reminds you why you do it. You hear everyone chanting TSM. And it, sorry, but it's all this at the same time. Um, yeah. No, that's, that's really great to hear. Everyone, we are dealing with some technical difficulties, but Andrew is still here, so we can still move on uh, in terms of some of the questions that are 
funneling in from everybody. Um, you know, just to follow up, I, I know you've worked on additional projects that are outside the Legends scope. Are there any favorites from the non-Legends side? Ooh, yes, actually. Um, the, I can recall the Vainglory Worlds episode. That would have been 2017, December of 2017. That was actually one of the last uh, objects I did before I transitioned into directing Legends. Um, that was just an absolute blast. Again, I, I talked earlier about how much I liked working with the Vainglory guys. Uh, we were in Singapore for, I think it was almost two weeks, and it was just an absolute uh, beautiful place. Um, got some really great footage, got a, got a very lucky sunset. Um, and it's, it, there, there's obviously a lot, if I were to look back at it, it's like, oh man, why did I do X or Y? Why was there so much gameplay or something? Um, but there was just some, some really great moments that uh, I, I enjoy capturing. Yeah. And oh, sorry, I can go a little bit further if we want. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I want to yeah. hear all of it. All of them. Um, another one that I enjoyed making, I think, may, maybe missed the mark a little bit on, on the community, but uh, the, uh, I did a, a three-parter around Leffen's Evo run, I think that was also 2017, the I, I, I'm sorry, Leffen, I can't pronounce your last name, even though I, I made a series name that. Um, and it was just a, a lot of fun to be able to be in the Melee community, because that's what got you know, gave me my start in esports, what got me interested in this whole thing. And it was uh, really, really great just to be in that environment and to be able to, to shoot this thing that I care about so much. You know, speaking about melee, uh, the melee community, and this is a side tangent, um, I'm sure, you know, you, you still follow it from here and there as well. Have you heard any recent uh, updates with or, you know, news surrounding the Nickelodeon and All-Star stuff? And what do you think about it? Um, I, I mean, I think it's high, um, but uh, I, I, don't, I don't know. What, I, I've not played it myself. Um, I, I love Melee so much, and I barely have enough time. I barely get to play as is. The Nick All-Stars looks sick. I, the devs are doing a great job. Um, I've watched a, a few of the, the tournaments, but uh, I, I barely have time for Melee as is. I have a kid. I don't know if I can take another game into my heart when I when I already feel bad for not. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, yeah, and I have a comment from Riley, Riley the Bea on our Twitch channel. Um, not a question, but I appreciate that Legends was not shy about utilizing color grading for t storytelling purposes. Like when I see a lot of other vlogs and docu's in esports that just leave it as is or change some exposure so a nice nice kind comment to share with you there um we can dive right into the next question in terms of creative um are you given a lot of creative freedom when it comes to what you film for legends yeah with legends i actually have a lot a lot of creative freedom obviously there's just kind of inherent limitations to what we're able to shoot and show um, because we have to think about how uh, what we put into the episode will be perceived by the community. Um, and that's not necessarily like, oh, we're manipulating and thinking about, oh, controlling the TSM narrative or anything, but it's just we have to take a, a week's worth of, of footage and find a way to condense all of that and all of the great many things that happen into a, 
uh, meaningful conversation that fans can then watch and still get a decent picture of it. Um, I ventured away from the, the original question there. Uh, if you could reiterate it, I think I had more to say. For sure. So the question was, uh, you know, when it comes to creative freedom, like, are you given a lot of that, depending on what you feel? Okay, yeah, I was, I was talking about the, the limitations there, uh, just kind of the natural limitations of it. But um, I mean, I, I have a, a pretty much carte blanche whenever it comes to legends specifically. Um, you know, again, I'm lucky that there's not as much red tape, not as much bureaucracy. Um, so uh, I, I'm very lucky to have a lot of trust because creative freedom is something that every creative is, is just always hungry for um, in, any, in any creative industry. So yeah, I'm, I'm very, very fortunate to have a lot of it. Um, I know you've mentioned, you know, starting your career within the TSM family here, it's grown. You you've were a smaller team and you guys are still a small team, but you ha guys have grown a bit in terms of even the legend side of who specifically works on editing and all that post stuff. Um, are there any things that are additionally like, or have additionally changed within the company since you've joined? Oh man, a lot is, a lot has changed since I joined. Whenever, whenever I joined TSM, we were in a little office in West LA and the only people in it were uh, Lena, Dan, Andy, Reggie, um, Parth, uh, myself and Max. And then there was the, the team house just a, a, a ways away. Obviously there are some remote people and other teams at the time, but you know, now we're in this very big, very nice facility and there's uh, so many people. So um, yeah, it's, it, one, it's just been crazy to watch that happen and watch that, that change. Um, in terms of how that's affected, you know, some of our productions like Legends, uh, not not too much. Uh, it's allowed us to expand things, but now the you know sheer quantity of content that we're able to put out is pretty insane. We have so many different channels for different games. We have content going out on different social media platforms. Um, so it's almost like hard to keep track, even even from the inside, especially during Legend season. It's like, oh, what's going out? Oh, that video is cool. You know, I wish I could have been a part of that, but we just have so much constantly uh, coming through the pipeline. So um, it's been interesting to see that develop and other creative voices uh, join the organization and be able to express themselves through our content. Now, I know you mentioned the facility that we are sort of opening up, but not really. Is there anything that you can share in terms of like favorite places to work at, favorite things to do at the facility, any highlights that you can share with some of the people watching today? The chefs are pretty great. Chefs are great. But yeah. uh, we'll, we'll save that for the, uh, the, some facility walkthrough videos. Don't want to spoil too much. Yeah, yeah. And um, I, I, I want to bring up, you know, the funny story again. I know I, I kind of caught you by surprise there. Oh, wow. I want to get your insight as uh, you know, you we've got some time to really think about a, a tamed version, <laughs> so to say. Mm, okay, I, I, I can probably dig up a few. Um, the first thing that, that comes to mind is, is relatively recent. And I think it's, it's been discussed a little bit. It's not some top secret story, but uh, uh, at the beginning of summer split of this year, whenever we had the little legends addendum that was also posted on social media, uh, where Spica was, uh, I think it was the, the concept was Spica was, was benched. Um, 
This was this was amidst the the early summer split roster fiasco where every single team in the LCS was changing players. And uh, I did mention that Ming is very content minded, and he came to me and said, "Hey, Andrew, I want to you know it'd be funny if we did like a fake video." And then so I took that and said, "Okay, you know what what can we turn this into?" And wrote up a couple different preposterous scenarios to uh put him in for that video and then also talked to parth who who was our lovely uh voice in that as well uh announcing it with a with that rather straight face he actually wrote a lot of that we had a, we had a draft ahead of time and then he went back and revisited the subject and he watched all the other videos because he wanted to get it just right um parth is more content minded than i think he likes to admit um he he was really helpful with that and then uh, that was one of the shortest turnarounds we've done on anything because we, we usually can't film content with, with the players in, in midweek if it's not something already scheduled, like a Legends interview. So we just went into the scrim room. I think it maybe took us 10 minutes uh, and just, all right, Ming, yell at Lawrence. Tell him he's awful. Tell him he's, you know, tell him he's terrible. And it was, it was an absolute blast. I think we put some of the bloopers out there as well of them just really struggling to maintain a straight face as, as Ming was flaming everyone. And then we also filmed uh, him shoving our assistant coach Curry out of the chair, kicking him in the head. Uh, I should. This is actually making me think I should just upload the whole thing instead of the, the behind-the-scenes footage, instead of just talking about it because it, it was again player, players and acting is is something. Uh, Curry was just uh, Minecraft grunting, as as Ming put it. His sound for each each kick was just identical. Doesn't really do it uh, do it service, but. Maybe I'll just dig that footage up. That yeah, I, I definitely remember watching that. I'm like, is that is that kick real? Did he? Really yeah, yeah. I mean, the kick. <laughs> he was a good three feet away. It's just uh, well, well angled. Uh, him being in boots helped. Curry was a was a great actor. Um, and then just a little bit of time remapping, cut out some frames, make it look a little bit intense. I think we actually had some concerns going on behind the scenes that it looked a little too intense. It looked a little too real to go public in spite of the, you know, sarcastic nature, which I got because it was, uh, they, they sold it very well. The, the, the play, it was great to see the players all kind of buy into that and, and really have fun shooting this random little video. And, you know, what was really great about the piece is just the timing of it in terms of what was going on within, you know, the league space as well, being able to parody that as well. And, you know, make it come to light in a more lighthearted way, especially during the times that we were running into within last year, right? So I think definitely, I, I personally enjoyed it. I remember when you guys posted it within internal before we it went live, and I was like, this is literally a masterpiece. Um, so shouts out to you guys there. Shouts out, uh, shout outs to to Ming and, yeah. and Paul for 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 stepping in and and doing our job uh, for us. Can <laughs> <laughs> somebody get them an Oscar, man? Um, you know, before we end today's Q&A, I do have one last question for you, as this is TSMU. Um, a lot of aspirants are here more, you know, willing to learn about the production side and get your, you know, insights on things. But is there any final advice for any esports aspirants out there? Mm -hmm. Um... Number one is something I've said entirely too much already. Just make something. Um, but then also think critically about the content that you consume um, and figure out what it is you like about it and what it is you take away. And it doesn't even have to be from the same you know, media format. 
Um, I think there's a, there's a lot of value in uh, understanding what you like about a certain type of media, and then you can take that creative process and and ability to digest that and understand that into other things. Maybe you are working in video, but you are really passionate about music. There's one, there's ways to integrate those two things, but if you can look at a piece of music and think, okay, why do I like this so much? What is it about it, you know, that makes me feel this way? And then find ways to uh, incorporate that feeling into your own work. Because I think that's what most people want to do is they want to make a piece of art or content or whatever you want to call it that makes people feel a certain way. Uh, and it's usually based on what has made them feel a certain way. So just research your influences and, and really think about why you like them. I, I would say that's definitely something that I do constantly. Yeah. And, you know, to close this out, is there anything that you want to share in terms of upcoming projects or any shout outs that you want to give to maybe the content team at TSM? Um, yeah, shout outs to the, the content team, the, the whole team. Everyone's been putting in a lot of work, uh, particular shout outs to, to Callan and Caesar, who have been instrumental in the very chaotic uh, Legends production. Uh, couldn't do it without them. Uh, shout outs to, to Max Olivo, uh, because I worked alongside him for years. I learned pretty much everything I do from, uh, watching him work. Um, yeah, shout outs to, to the, the players as well. Thank you for letting me point a camera at you during your most intimate moments. <laughs> um, yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you, Andrew, for today and, you know, getting your insight and letting me pick your brain. I also want to thank everyone for attending and also asking some amazing questions. Um, everyone, just letting you guys know, we our next episode is going to happen next week, same time, same place, October 27th at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And the guest will be Jeff, the director of mobile at TSM FTX. Be sure to follow the channel so you know when we're going live. And again, I, yeah. <laughs> uh, as far as I know, I'm going to interject because we're talking about Vainglory. Uh, Swedish. He's a very legendary Vainglory player. Be sure to ask him lots of questions about that. And again, just to remind everyone, please join the TSMU Discord, the HTML, HTML, wow. The web link will be discord.gg slash TSMU. And this is me signing off for tonight. Thank you, everyone. And have a wonderful, wonderful evening.